Welcome to Emerge Dynamics. Emerge Dynamics. The podcast for those who manage and invest in middle market private companies across the globe. globe. We're telling the stories of the unsung champions who take enormous risks every day to weave the fabric of our societies. Those who collectively, from the multi-trillion dollar largest market on the planet, we're diving into the dynamics of what makes some of them emerge from their peers and create incredible returns and impact on their communities. This is Emerge Dynamics. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of the Emerge Dynamics podcast. I am David Cusimano here with Eric Wingerter. Hi David. Eric, here we go. Second episode <laughs> of 2023. And wrapping up, I think, our, our series on... Web 3.0. Yep. And I know we want to get some guests in who know this stuff better than us. I just enjoy talking about this topic. It's fascinating. It's something that I know we've admittedly are not experts on, but we're trying to learn as quick as we can yep. <laughs> about yes. this. Yeah. And, and it's changing every, every minute, every second. Right. Sure. And it's something that we just know that is going to be probably this year and next year, affecting business owners, Main Street business owners, non-techie business owners in a real way. So it's something we want to be out in front on as much as possible. Yeah. Yeah. So we wrapped up our last episode, Eric, talking about what we said. We'd talk a little bit more about smart contracts, maybe some wrap up on some crypto type things. So let's do that. Okay. A smart contract. What is that? (laughs) As opposed to a dumb contract. It's a dumb contract, yeah, yeah. I think a good way to describe it is that you have set parameters within the contract such that when X occurs, then Y gets uh, occurs right after that. Uh, that automatically. Actually, automatically. You might, uh, kind of a simple side of it might be, and this is not really a smart contract per se, but I think we're all starting to use a lot more in signing contracts where we're doing that digitally through mm-hmm. DocuSign and things of that nature. Right. Well, that's somewhat of the smart contract thought process, if you will, because as soon as one person signs, it knows who's next on the list to go okay. sign. Yep. It's validating that they're the right person to sign that, you know, there's some information that you've got to provide to say that you are who you are, that type of thing. And then it keeps going down the chain. So one one thing after another kind of generates the next action, if you will. So yep. that's kind of on a simplistic, I guess, is what's happening within a smart contract environment. And I think when we think of a smart contract in terms of the decentralized finance framework, I think maybe a way to distinguish DocuSign from decentralized finance would be DocuSign, there's a trusted party, and that is DocuSign, DocuSign. right? (laughs) Right. So you're counting on DocuSign when there's a contract that needs to be signed by Eric and David, and I get an email from DocuSign that says, Eric has already signed. Now, David, it's your turn. I'm trusting DocuSign that Eric has actually already signed, Right. right? Right. And because they're a trusted party, this and has done relatively well at uh, garnering the public's trust, this works pretty well. Yep. Right? In, in a decentralized version of this, though, there would be no trusted party, right? It would be a blockchain. 
Yeah. Right. And by, by the nature of it being on an immutable blockchain, we would know like not only did Eric sign, but we could program in things like votes for a board. Right. So when it's time to sell or buy or, you know, give a distribution. Right. And we say that four out of seven people need to approve before the distribution goes out. The moment the four out of seven people sign, the contract just executes the action for us. Right. Right. I mean, is is that am I warm? I think you're warm. You know, again, this is this is one where there's a lot of new and evolving applications for these types of things. And some of which, as you said, are still, still, I think when it's all said and done, there's got to be some methodology involved in this that is validating, mm-hmm. if you will. You know, in the case of DocuSign, you're, using, you're relying on DocuSign that, yes, this, you know, whatever steps were included, whoever was next in line, et cetera, et cetera, the process of validating that person, validating that it was done, you know, what have you, what have you. That streamlining of the administrative process, if mm-hmm. you will, is is where the evolution of smart contracts is going to continue to explode. So I, I think, yes, in, in your case, what you're saying there is spot on. But again, there's, there's a multitude of applications that are taking place with the use of this technology and the question is, is the process of validation more in a centralized environment or is it more in a decentralized environment? And that's all set up in the structure of the contract and the backbone that you're building that mm-hmm. on. Right, exactly. And, I, and I, Eric, I think this is an area that I see a quicker adoption in the near future, right? So even if people don't all start using cryptocurrency right away, right? Even if that's a few years out, I think smart contracts is something that is yeah. a little easier for businesses to start to use. And, and I think where we're seeing it mostly starting to evolve is in, in the area of, of finance, contractual obligations, those types of things. I think you're going to start to see a little bit more on payment processing, billing, you know, those types of, of things where you're going to, you know, right now we used to always for just regular b- payment or billings or orders, if you will, you know, we use purchase orders and then mm-hmm. we use invoices and things of that nature. You're going to see that becoming more and more digitized in such a way using smart contracts, but mm-hmm. probably the one area that it's, it's, being most utilized right now today is in that contractual finance arena, and, mm-hmm. and it's going to continue to expand. And, you know, one area I'm thinking of where this has become really popular is, well, there's, there's a whole new, I guess, governance. It's in corporate governance, and there's a whole new type of organization out there, yeah. which is a DAO. DAO. A decentralized nice. autonomous organization. Right. And... There may be others, but I, I, I at least know of right now in Wyoming, you can register your entity in Wyoming as a DAO. Right. So you can, you can register a corporation or an LLC or a DAO. Right. <laughs> That's one right. of your options now <clears throat> that you can do. You know, certainly I think there's a lot of legal opinion as to exactly how that works. And, you know, but I mean, 
it's been out there for two or three years now. I'm assuming it's being adopted and being used, but I think this is an interesting corporate governance path because it really starts to think about, is this going to change the even the nature of employees? Do we have organizations with employees anymore or are people just now participants in a in DAO, DAO. Right. Right? right? Where there's they vote and there's a smart contract which governs the governance of the DAO, right? And and people effectively have tokens that allow them to make to vote. To me, that's an exciting. I mean, maybe to some people that's scary or, or horrible. But to me, it's at least exciting to think about that we can have people. If you think about an organization that's got employees in forty different states and maybe. 10 different countries. There's all these labor laws. And I mean, and probably a lot of them are well-intentioned, but when you've got to deal with a labyrinth of like 50 different jurisdictions for employees to make sure you don't run afoul of this and that, instead of creating value in your organization, you're constantly just trying to make sure you didn't break a rule. Right. Right. And is a DAO maybe a way to to break through all that, right? To make it just very clear, you want to be associated with our organization. You're right. not an employee. You're a member, and here's you're a member, how it works. You know, you know exactly what your rights are as a member because those are clearly laid out and documented. And then when there's a request for a change or a vote or anything along those lines, then you're able to administratively do that much more efficiently mm-hmm. and and effectively than what you've been able to do in the past right. through the other structures that mm-hmm. are out there and are more common, like like you said, the corporation or the LLC environment. And, and like in the post-COVID world, we've seen kind of the emergence of this, the gig economy, right, where people are just getting gigs and, you know, they're freelancing instead of getting jobs. And that kind of starts to be a framework that could work well with that. Yeah. Right, where you can align yourself with an organization, when it makes sense, create value with them. How that translates into a strong corporate culture, I don't know. Right. It, it, it may right. it may be the demise of corporate culture, but it's it's exciting to at least think about is is this a path to, to maybe well, I think more prosperity, yeah, well, I more think, freedom. Yeah, I think you know, I think it depends. Everything always depends on how it's structured. I think definitely a more democratized Mm-hmm. process of governance mm-hmm. is going to evolve out of this by its nature because you know where you might be able to speak into certain things that happen within a company in the current legal structures in a DAO it's a lot more streamlined and it's a mm-hmm. lot more transparent as far as your your rights mm-hmm. your what you're being asked to vote on, things of that nature. And then from an ownership standpoint, it's going to open up a lot of other opportunities. I'm thinking in the real estate Mm -hmm. market where right now, you know, you might have these large apartment or condominium complexes that Mm -hmm. now are typically, you know, you may have individual owners of units, which is typically more Mm -hmm. in in a condo type of complex. So in that environment, you know that there's condo rules and other mm, governance issues yeah. that go go on and come into play. You know, digitizing that and allowing that to individual owners to vote on things and things of that nature certainly would streamline things. But I'm thinking even like on the apartment complex side of things where right now you have, 
typically a developer who developed that apartment complex. The developer has a management company, and then that management company has people renting those apartments. Mm-hmm. You could actually use a DAO set up so that instead of those people being renters, they could actually be potentially owners of that apartment. And what is the structure of that? And you know, do they have a participation or a voice mm-hmm. in how you know the community is is going mm. to be set up, et cetera, et cetera. So I think just by allowing more input into the process and the governance, if you will, of entities, organizations, properties, whatever it may be, in a digitized format is is something that really is exciting, as you said, because I think the opportunities to do that and what that could bring for individuals and Mm -hmm. and for business owners or Mm -hmm. investors, et cetera, et cetera, I think is going to be pretty impressive. You and I attended a conference last year where people were talking about, you know, even ownership stakes in companies. Could those become tokenized? Yeah, And that may be similar to your real estate example you're talking about here. And one thing that they, at least the presentation that we were, I think we were both there, is uh, one opinion was that it's probably C-Corps more than S-Corps. But C-Corps, because of their tax treatment, it may be easier to convert shares of a C-Corp into a token, right? Yeah. So to trade yeah. in and out of these, even in a private company, you don't have to be publicly traded. It's, it's much easier to just buy and sell the token, or whatever it may be, the token being some kind of cryptocurrency, right? To just say, hey, I'm going to buy a share of, you've got a trucking company and, you know, I want to buy some of them. I'll buy some of your tokens from you. Now I own part of the trucking company. Incredible possible advancement and liquidity here, right? Because that's, that's one thing, as we know, in private company valuation is something that limits the value often of private companies. There's a liquidity discount, liquidity. right? Because yep. you can't just exit an investment. Right. Like that. And if you it could easily be 20, 30%. It's a large discount, yeah, right? So does, does that start to go away when we have either, you know, just either tokenized ownership in corporations or, you know, more DAOs where it's easy to get in and out? Just fascinating stuff. But definitely there's the liquidity side of things and what that's going to open up, whether that be in the private equity markets, where the private real estate markets, whatever it may be. Flip side of that, I guess, is the thing that you start to wrap your brain around is from the standpoint of documenting the transactions themselves. I mean, that's mm-hmm. going to be clearly documented vis-a-vis the, the digitization that goes mm-hmm. on. But now you're an NFT owner in, mm-hmm. in a real estate building, you know, in a, in a commercial building or a residential building or something like that. And you've got this small NFT amount and you mm-hmm. sell that. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. You keeping track of that? You know, where's that being maintained? I think that's some of the infrastructural issues Mm -hmm. around that, particularly, and this has become an issue for regulators and the governments, you know, Mm -hmm. who want their their piece of the pie in Mm -hmm. in those transactions, for sure. That's going to be one of the interesting things that I think is going to be part of the either the roadblocks or the challenges in the rollout of these various digitized uh, smart contracts is, is going to be dependent on where it's focused. You know, what are the regulators saying as, as far as what is necessary in order for them to feel comfortable? Mm-hmm. And a lot of it's happening without the regulators, mm-hmm. but it'll be interesting to see you know, to how the whole regulation yeah. gets caught up. In, in, yeah, you know. absolutely. So, 
Eric, I think if we kind of frame our conversation here, we're, we're talking about, you know, for the main street business owner, I think you can expect in the near future, smart contracts to be part of your, your vocabulary. I don't know if yeah. it's, you know, in February, 2023, December, 2023 or 2025, but probably this is going to be part of our, our lingo and, yeah. and business. Yeah. Dials possibly as well, right? I think they're certainly picking up steam. Is this going to be something that's going to be a fad and go away or is it going to be mainstream? But it's definitely something to watch. If yeah. you say, well, I have a trucking company. I have a, a, a landscaping company. Why do I care about this? Well, you, these kinds of things will probably be part of your, your world very soon. Yeah. yeah. So we need to watch them, right? And be, be on the forefront of them. Any other things, Eric, as we're kind of wrapping up here, is there any other things at least to, to wrap up this series that we've had now for a few episodes? No, I, I think just overall, as you were saying, is, is these things are coming. You know, depending on your business, you may be more better positioned to kind of be on the forefront of that. And so investigating that more and how you can use that to better position your company in the marketplace there's certainly a lot of disruption potentially in the marketplace and depending on what your positioning is in the marketplace that could be a lot of disruption forced upon you that you know you means mm-hmm. that you need to get right. <laughs> ahead of the game now mm-hmm. on that I'm, I'm particularly thinking about intermediaries that we've talked right. about you know that it's going to be very very disruptive to people who are intermediaries and play intermediary roles in the marketplace and but for others it might just be as you said it's like okay no it's coming know that you're probably going to start to get some of these things hitting your plate and mm-hmm. you know through some of your transactions and things of that nature it may start to come up and may start to bubble up if you will but it is something that's not going to go away no question that that this is the next wave if you will web 3.0 and and how that's going to change the way that we transact business in the future. And some of us, it's going to change us dramatically. And some of us, mm-hmm. it's going to just modify whatever your situation, whatever your mm-hmm. business that you're in, it's going to be affecting you. We are very confident about that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, folks, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll leave it here. We'll be coming back to this topic, I'm sure, throughout the year as developments happen. But with that, it's off to work and we'll see you next time. 